Proverbs 20 and verse number 6. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man. Now that, that word man there, our world is so freaked out about pronouns and gender specificity. But there's many times that the word man is used there that is a neutral term that could be applied to both men and women. But a faithful man who can find. Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. but a faithful man who can find. I'd like to take that word faithful, and I do not believe that we are going to destroy the context of this, but I'd like to insert the word loyal. But a loyal man who can find. And I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight about the gift, the gift of loyalty. The gift of loyalty. I know we praise the Lord a bunch here tonight, lifted up his name, we've danced, we've shouted. But I wonder what would happen if all of us just joined together and said, God, I need something in my soul. To not just finish out 2021, which for many people in our world was a, a traumatic, a traumatic year. But something to go into the next year full of faith, full of expectation, and direction. Let's lift our hands one more time and let's pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we won't fail to give you praise and glory. I pray that this great host tonight could be blessed by the Word of God. Regardless of where they're from, regardless of how far they have driven, regardless of where they call home, I pray that the Holy Ghost and the Word of God can genuinely, genuinely be a blessing here tonight. And somebody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. title of this tonight is called The Gift of Loyalty, and the reason why it's called The Gift of Loyalty is because loyalty, a person cannot be pressured to become loyal. Because we are made in the image of God, there are certain innate functionalities of the human soul and the human spirit, and one of them is, is that I believe to truly be made in the likeness of God, mankind has a will. They have the ability to choose. And I would also be quick to note that God does not violate a human being's right to choose because that uniquely makes us in the likeness of God. And so when we talk about loyalty and the gift of loyalty, we are talking about something that cannot be coerced. You cannot threaten somebody to be loyal to you. Um, you can browbeat people. You can intimidate people. You can hold things over people's heads. You can threaten them. You can make them afraid. But that's far different from genuine loyalty. Loyalty is best defined as 
a commitment, a commitment that just is more than a passing commitment. It is fused with a strong sense of allegiance. Biblically, loyalty is defined as faithfulness, love, devotion, dedication that is unwavering and unbending. In this hour, you may be sitting here tonight realizing that we are on the eve of a new year, a brand new start, something that we will share with seven to eight billion other human beings. You might be sitting here tonight and thinking, well, this is kind of an interesting topic um, to be talking about on the eve of the 22nd century. But the Bible has a lot to say about the hour in which we live, and it gives us the value and the premium of genuine loyalty. In this hour, loyalty to the truth and to the things of God are under extreme scrutiny and attack. And I would like to say that the enemy of genuine loyalty is not denial, but betrayal. In Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 10. Now, Matthew chapter 24 is an important chapter because it is one of the eschatological, or it's one of the end time chapters in which Jesus talked about end time or the end of the world scenarios. Matthew chapter 24, Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter number 21. But in Matthew 24 and 10, Jesus said, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Uh, That's exactly right. People may gather together in a bar, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they like each other. People may, dan- people may get together and get together on a dance floor, but it doesn't mean that they actually love everybody that's on that dance floor. People may go to the same job, the same employer that you go to, but it doesn't mean that they have a love for the employer or love for anybody else. But you and I are here tonight, and it is a demonstration of the love of God in our lives and our love for one another. Nobody made you come here tonight. Nobody held a gun to your head and said you will go to church tonight. But the love of God constrains us. It leads us to, oh, somebody help me out tonight. Thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost, which is shed abroad in our hearts as the love of God. But loyalty and genuine consecration and dedication and commitment to God is under incredible duress and attack tonight. In Mark chapter number 13, Jesus said, now in this hour, the brother shall betray brother to death and the father the son and children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. We're living in an hour where the spirits in our world want to divide families. They want to divide marriages. They want to divide siblings. They want to divide households. And Jesus said, if a household is divided against itself, it shall not stand. But ladies and gentlemen and brothers and sisters, you're in a good place tonight. You're in a powerful place tonight. You're in a safe place tonight. You're in a glorious place tonight. Oh, everybody clap your hands and lift your voice and say, I'm safe in the kingdom of God tonight. Nobody's going to come and get you. Nobody's going to come and hurt you. Nobody's going to force you against your will. Nobody's going to make you do something you don't want to do. But on the opposite side of that, if you're open and willing, God will lead you to deeper depths, and God will lead you to higher heights, and God will lead you to more blessing, and God will lead you to more power, and God will lead you. Oh, let's just take a moment and praise him. Let's just take a moment and praise him right now.
One of the reasons why I become unhinged when I praise and worship God is when I understand how safe I am in the church of the living God. I never felt safe in the world. I never felt secure in this world. But I feel safe and confident in the house of God. most dramatic illustration of betrayal and disloyalty known to man is embodied in the character, the caricature, and the person of Judas Iscariot. Some of these scriptures that I have read in your hearing tonight in Matthew chapter 24 when they shall betray one another is the spirit of Judas Iscariot. You see, the spirit world needs only one human being to begin to open up a chasm into the human dynamic, which is why some spirits that got a hold of people throughout the ages, whenever you see that spirit, it is the character of the person that allowed that spirit to abuse them and use them into human relationships, whether it's the spirit of Judas or whether it's the spirit of of Saul, or whether it's the spirit of familiarity. The word betrayal is used 17 times in the New Testament, and 15 times are in direct reference and connection to the person Judas Iscariot. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 23, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish the same shall betray me. John 13 and 11, for he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. Somebody might say, well, what about the apostle Peter? When he was just a disciple, did he not betray the Lord? No, Peter denied him. He denied him three times. But denial is far different from betrayal. In a moment of weakness, you may deny the Lord, but that doesn't mean that you betrayed him. When you betray the Lord, you stand up and say, I have no association with them. I'm against those people. I'm against that doctrine. I'm against that church. I rebuke that spirit out of this hour by the authority of the name of Jesus. It's no time to be lacking commitment. It's time to rise to the front and put that spirit in its place. Every congregation, I'm not trying to be negative, but I have to be honest. Every congregation has the danger of having a Judas in it. Any any group, any church, Satan is always looking for that one person that will turn. I got news for the enemy. If I'm going to do any turning... It's I'm going to be turning people from the world to the kingdom. I'm going to be turning people from hell to heaven. I'm going to be turning people from the devil to Jesus Christ. If I were going to do any turning, we are going to turn people from being lost to being, oh, somebody help me tonight. Woo, hallelujah. and loyalties are a fact of life. You cannot cannot become a person that possesses integrity and bypass being loyal. It is part of the composition of a human being being made in the image of God that we we cannot be Um, we cannot have integrity and be disloyal. They are in direct opposition. They are on opposite ends of characteristics. When you find a person that has true integrity, you're going to find a person that's loyal, whether it's on the job or whether it's running the aisles, whether it's testifying in the mall or whether you're giving a Bible study. You're going to be an apostolic one God person no matter where you are, no matter who you're talking to, no matter who you're witnessing 
to, even if you're rejected, even if you're scorned, you're going to hold your head up and you're going to say, I know my Redeemer liveth and I know who brought me out. I, somebody. I used to be a disloyal person. I used to be a drug addict, alcoholic, thief, all-round horrible person. But when he that knew no sin brought me out and loved me, and loved me when I lived on the bottom. I'm not going to walk out on him when things get rough. I'm not going to betray him when the devil's on my back porch. I'm not going to walk out when I'm in a trial. I'm not going to walk out when I'm low on money. I'm not going to walk out when I'm under pressure. I'm not going to walk out when my pastor is not what I think he should. I'm not going to walk. Clap your hands and give God the praise and let this place roar with commitment unto God. Loyalty and loyalties are a fact of life. All sorts of people are known by their allegiances and their affiliations. Having the right loyalties is critical to our spiritual success. There are three preeminent loyalties that must be in place and forever founded with the chief cornerstone at the head. As I've already mentioned, it doesn't matter who I'm with. It doesn't matter where I'm at. It doesn't matter what conversation is taking place. These loyalties are irresolvable, irreducible, irrevocable. And the very first loyalty is the loyalty to the truth. If I'm going to get in trouble or hot water with people for telling the truth, then you're just going to have to start heating the fire up seven more times. Because I am not going to lie. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bail out on Jesus. Jesus stood with me when the drug addict. You think I'm going to walk out on Jesus when I'm under a little bit of pressure? God was there when I was a nobody. You think I'm going to turn my back when I'm a somebody? God was there when I was unemployed. You think a new raise is going to make me throw in the towel? Somebody. Loyalty to the truth is the preeminent loyalty. If you're sitting here tonight and you're not sure whether Jesus was in the Trinity or Jesus is the God of eternity manifest in the flesh, I understand that confusion. But ultimately, if you're hungry for truth, you're going to you're going to come to the same thing that the rest of us have come to, that Jesus is not the little junior that's in the middle, but Jesus created the worlds. Jesus flung the stars. Jesus, oh, come on, somebody. Jesus named the planets. God was manifest in the flesh. But there's more to truth than just doctrine. How about telling the truth, even if it hurts you? You see, when you're loyal to the truth, that means truth can have all of me. You can have my past. You can have my present. You can have my future. You can have what I was thinking. 
You can have what I was meditating on. You can have my imaginations. You can have everything. I'm not going to deny it. God, I was sinning right there, and I confess it, and now I need you to wash me, and you need to cleanse me because it's the truth of the Word of God. If you love the truth, then the truth will give you a garment that is without spot, that is without wrinkle, and you've come out of the world. You shut off the television. You shut off Hollywood. Somebody help me. Come on, let's clap our hands and give God the praise right now. I feel victory in the house. I feel truth in the house. I feel feel the truth has triumphed in this house. See, if you put limits on the influence of truth in your life, you will ultimately lose truth. Because truth wants it all. I said, come on, Cornerstone, truth wants it all. But honey, if you'll take that pack of cigarettes and go ahead and give it to God, God will give you an anointing. If you'll take that pornography and give it up to God, God will give you a victory. If you'll take that problem of yours and give it to Jesus, God will give you a blessing. God is here to liberate this congregation to a greater truth. Come on, somebody shout. Somebody say, that's me. I got to have that. I'm not holding back. I'm not going to betray. I'm not going to deny. Where is that scripture, Andrew? To buy the truth and sell it not. There's some people in this hour that you got a for rent sign on the, the front yard of your life. I just want to experiment. I just want to try it. I just want to see what it's like. I just want to see what it feels. There's some things that there is a line there that you have to say, you know what? That's truth. That's truth. That's truth. I don't got to experiment with nothing. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. I'm going to buy the truth. I'm not going to negotiate it. I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to try to look for a different angle and a way around it. I'm going to say, God, you are right. I am wrong. I need an altar. I need a prayer room. I need forgiveness. I need anointing. I need blood. I need water. Loyalty. Is a gift. God ain't gonna force you. Freely we have received. Freely we will give. Let's lift our hands all over this audience and let's just pray for a few moments. Don't resist what you're feeling, it's called conviction. And that conviction only has one thing in mind, and that's to bring you to a greater truth and bring a greater truth into your heart and bring a greater truth into your life because with a greater truth comes a greater blessing and a greater relationship with the king. Loyalty to the truth will save you when other people, you might be somebody that God's got his hand on and the person that brought you to church is thinking about backsliding. But when you have a love for truth, you say, you know, um, 
I, I love what God's been doing. So if you leave, I ain't leaving with you. You go ahead and backslide, but I'm staying. You go ahead and walk out, but I've already found a place. I'm not potted. I'm planted. I'm not wishy-washy. Now you see me. Now you don't. I'm up. I'm down. I'm everywhere. No. No. I love this truth. I'm going to live this truth. I'm going to walk in truth. I'm going to speak. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. I know you love the truth. You are a lover of truth. That's why you're here on a Friday night. Let's give God the praise and let's give God the glory. truth that love and loyalty for truth will keep you when your family walks out that loyalty for love for the truth will keep you when your wife walks out it'll keep you when your husband walks out it'll keep you when your children walk out the greatest gift that you can give your children is a loyalty to the truth They may have been fallen off of a bar stool, can't even find their way home, but they say, I know somebody that loves me always. And I know somebody that's sold out. I know somebody that won't waver. I know somebody you can't buy. I know somebody you can't rent. I know. And that's where backslidden children go. They come back to the anchor, the solidity, the strength, the impervious love and devotion for reality. Second, loyalty. First is the love of truth that qualifies and aligns all other loyalty. The second loyalty is the loyalty to God-ordained leadership. Starting with your parents. I can't hear you. Oh, some of you guys were just real cool with this message till that one came out. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 1, Brother Andrew. Children, finish it for me. Now, my kids had ingenious ways of what they would call obedience. All right? And I'd walk in like some tough guy. All right? I want this room cleaned up. Looks like, looks like the devil had a party in this room. I want this room cleaned up. I want it picked up, cleaned up, or you're not leaving this room. And so... My son, who's not here tonight so I can talk about him, I'm just kidding. If he, if he was sitting right there, he'd say, yep, I remember. He had an ingenious way of doing things with piles of clothing. Is somebody in your bed? It's a pile of clothes. Did somebody move in the closet? No, it's a pile of clothes. Whatever you want to say, we're just having a little fun here tonight. But somewhere, if your parents are living for God, children, obey your parents. It's a promise. Go ahead and clap your hands. It is a promise. It is a commandment with a prophecy that you will live long in the earth. Come on, somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Now, if your parents are not in the Lord, that's another story. Children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's attached to one of the Ten Commandments, and it was the first commandment among the Decalogue with a promise. And the promise was that if you obey your parents, you will live long in the earth. Honey, if you've been obeying your mom and dad, COVID can go ahead and come through, and God's going to say, you know what? I've got a promise here. Cancer can come through, and you can say, God, remember. Oh, I'm preaching here right now. Loyalty. My, do- my dad is as lost as a, a golf ball in high wheat. My wife was there. I just got a phone call from my dad. Was it on Christmas? It's on Christmas. It was a typical phone call from my dad. And I'm not putting him down, but I'm recounting this because I want to encourage somebody here tonight. The phone call maybe, maybe lasted 15 seconds. Hi, son. How you doing? Well, I don't want to keep you. He was fulfilling his obligation. But you know who started that? After I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, right around 1986, I'd been in the church about two years. My dad and I hated each other before I got saved. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, write your dad a letter and apologize. And so with tears streaming down my face and dotting that letter, I wrote a letter to my dad and I said, Dad, forgive me for 17 years of being rebellious and dragging our family name through the mud. I love you. I want to do whatever it takes to have a relationship with you. And I mailed it to my dad. My dad wrote it wrote a letter, just about three or four words, got your letter, love you, Dad. But you have to understand, God will use the channel to heal that relationship where whoever has the Holy Ghost. Don't wait on a mom and dad to apologize. Maybe you need to get in the Holy Ghost and make the first move. I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, because I didn't do anything. What if God asks you to do that because you love the truth? You're going to deny? Or are you going to open the door so the Holy Ghost can reach another human being? God-ordained leadership is the object of loyalty. Next to your godly parents is your pastor, your man of God. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you. See, that's why truth has got to be the first loyalty. Because if that is leading the charge, you may have a history of sitting under leadership that used people and played games. But that truth that's in you is going to align with the man of God that God gave you. And you're going to say, you know what? God's going to give me the love to do it. God's going to give me the ability to do it. Somebody help me out right now. Loving the man of God has got to be a loyalty. Judas! Your relationship, the problem is, is people look, through, look at their spiritual leadership through the eyes of carnality or the eyes of humanity, and you miss the value and the divine perspective that God put on that man when he sent him there. 
You have to resist your flesh. You have to resist the devil. I've been under my pastor for 37 years, and I love my pastor and my pastor's wife more than I did the day that I met them. You want to know why? They brought prophecy. They brought promise. They brought power. They brought healing. They brought somebody. No, I need somebody to clap their hands right now. We need to run that spirit out that's trying to get you out of the church. The devil wants to take your pastor, and you and the devil put your pastor under a microscope and now find every little thing you can find wrong. I had a pastor, well-known, one of the most well-known preachers in Pentecost. He's a dear friend of ours. He called me up one time. He said, Brother Mayo, he said, my pastor, the reality of it was his ministry had become international. It dwarfed the ministry of his pastor. And there were voices in his life that were telling him, you need need to find another pastor. You need to find a pastor with a big name. And he called me up. I said, you stay where you're at. Where was your pastor when he had to change your diapers? Where was your pastor when you came in smelling like dope? Where was your pastor when he preached you into a pulpit? Where was your pastor when he... There's some things that ain't for sale. It's loyalty. It's loyalty. You cannot have integrity without loyalty. Scripture in the Bible. When you and the devil sit down together and you're just going to let your mind go and, well, I didn't like it when he said this. I didn't like it when he said that. And I didn't like it when he said this. And I didn't like it when he said this. You need to hit an altar and pray through and experience redemptive lift so God can tell you what about the blessing that came when you came to the altar? What about the anointing that came when he preached that message? What about deliverance that came when he preached that message? Somebody help me preach right now. The man of God that preached you out of the pit and kept you out of the pit. Somebody clap your hands and lift your voice and let the devil know I ain't going anywhere. You start drifting, you'll be drifting your whole life. You'll be drifting your whole life. And instead of going from faith to faith and victory to victory, you'll have a whole list of who done you wrong. You'll be qualified by bitterness instead of promise. The scripture in the Bible. I love this passage of scripture. The Bible said that the house of God was too straight. They were in a building program. Every pastor in this building is in a building program. Every pastor in this building is in a building program. When I, when I retire and somebody else takes the reins of this church, we got two other pastors sitting in this congregation, and you're going to go from faith to faith to victory to victory, from building to building, not just singles, not just 100, 200, 300, 400, because you love the God-called ministry that developed you and sent you. You ever heard the story about the Shunammite woman in the Bible? And for you clock watchers, I've been preaching exactly 40 minutes. And I promise you that your pork ribs and pork sausage and beef ribs, we got them all warmed up just waiting for us when we get out of this service. Man, how long is this guy going to preach? I'm hungry. 
I'm trying to get you to be hungry for God. We got the food. We got the... You get this thing, you'll walk out of here on air. You'll walk out of here without bondage, without guilt, without shame. Brother Sergeant, that little Shunammite woman and her husband, they seen that man of God walking by, walking by. She talked to her husband. She said, you know what? I bet he's hungry. I'm, I'm going to invite him in for something to eat. What do you think about that? Oh, honey, that's a great idea. Let's invite the man of God in. Some of you need to get the junk out of your house so the man of God would be welcome coming into your house. If he's preaching to you one thing at home, he needs to be able to walk in and say, these guys are blessed. These guys are loyal. These guys are loyal to the truth. By the foolishness of preaching. The Shunammite woman said, why don't you come on in? And they fed the prophet. And then they said, are you tired? Would you like to get some rest? Uh, maybe next time. Okay. So as soon as he left, the Shunammite woman, this is how you get a blessing. The Shunammite woman said to her husband, next time he comes here, let's remodel part of our house because we want the man of God to live here. We don't want him just coming by. We don't want him just coming in for coffee and tea and crumpets. We want to put the man of God up. And so when the man of God came by next time, they said, are you tired? He said, you know, I think I am. We have a room for you. We have a room for you that's got a bed. It has a chair. It has a table. It has a lamp. Everything you need is in that room. But here's the kicker. Do you know where that room was? Most people would say it's in the back with the old washer that don't work. And it's in the back with the lawnmower that gave up the ghost a couple years ago. No, it's uh, on the back. No, they said it was on the second floor. They wanted to be under the man of God. They wanted to be under authority. They wanted to be under spiritual headship. They wanted to be under God's power. They wanted to be under. And because... Because, Brother Mike, they were living now under the man of God. He said, I need to bless you. She said, well, you know, I'm barren. I've wanted children. I haven't been able to have children. Man of God prayed for her, and she gave birth. Man of God went on his way. The Bible does not indicate that the Shunammite woman and Elijah saw each other for 15 years. But 15 years later, their son was in the field working with the harvesters. He was involved with soul winning. He was out doing the work for God. And he got hit. He got hit on the head, either by an implement, an agricultural implement, or somehow he fell over, hit a rock, and he died in the field. And they, they took him back, and they took him back, and they didn't put him on the couch. They didn't put him in the bathtub. They didn't call the morgue. The mother said, the Shunammite woman said, you put him up on the bed of the prophet. You put him up. You Don't put him down with us. Put him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him The man of God came in and stretched out over that boy, palm to palm, forehead to forehead, nostrils to nostrils. And he began to pray. And all of a sudden, that heart began to beat. And those lungs began to store air and exhaust. And he came alive. The pastor that gave you your prophecy is the only one that can bring your prophecy back to life. The pastor that you were under that spoke the word of promise is the only one.
that can bring your prophecy back to life. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Let's pray. Loyalty to the man of God. Come on, lift your voice right now. Come on, somebody lift your voice. Let's pray. The pastor that gave you that prophecy is the only human agency that can bring it back to life. How do you know that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Two years ago, we'd been in this building a little over six years. We had a piece of property in our third building that was on Broadway. It was an actual church that this congregation bought and remodeled. This church collaborated together and bought five acres on Interstate 90. We paid $150,000 for it. It was a steal. There was no walls. You could see it from every angle. We were going to build our fourth facility there. had blueprints, got the permit from the city of Spokane Valley. We were going to build our next facility. God moved on my wife and I, and we just did not feel like that's where God wanted us, and we ended up buying this building that all of us are in here tonight. Our 25th anniversary was two years ago in May. Brother Darren Sargent was one of our guest speakers. Brother Nathaniel J. Wilson, my pastor, was here. They stayed the weekend. We had a great time, had a banquet. We just had a great time. I don't hardly even hear from my pastor. He's out starting Bible colleges and translating Bibles. and I'm here in Spokane doing what God called me to do. But he was here that Monday. We took him out for something to eat and just enjoyed our fellowship. I'm almost done. Just stick with me. Just before we took him back to the hotel, they were staying at the Mirabu Park Hotel on Sullivan. I said, would you guys like to see the buildings and some of the property that we've had here in the last 25 years? Yeah, we'd love to see it. Ran through Starbucks, took him on a little tour, went by our first building, 700-square-foot office suite, and took him to the second building, 3,000 commercial storefront on Sprague Avenue, and our third building on Broadway. I said, you know, we bought a piece of property. It's, it's not a big deal. I mean, it was 10 years earlier. I've been through three or four real estate agents, couldn't sell it. Weeds, garbage, there was an old couch out there. People just dumped garbage. There's now a noise wall on the interstate. You can't even see it anymore. I said, you know, it's on the way to, it's on the way to Liberty Lake. Let's go by there. And drove down this little alley. It wasn't even paved. It was the only alley that's, on, that's considered Broadway Avenue. It's a little dirt, two-track road. And they were probably thinking, man, where are we going? I said, See that piece of property out there that's weeds up to here and a sign falling down? And I said, that's where we were going to build our fourth church. I haven't been able to sell it. I've been through real estate agents, took it off the market, just kind of gave up on it. My pastor's wife said, how long you guys been trying to sell this? At least 10 years, at least. She said, why don't we have a word of prayer? So right there in the cab of my F-150, it's my wife sitting in the back seat with my pastor's wife, and my pastor sitting right next to me and put it in park and just had a little 30-second prayer. God, in the name of Jesus, pray that you'll sell this piece of property. Da-da-da-da-da. Turned around, put it in drive, took him back to the Mirabu Park Hotel, gave him a holy kiss and hugged him, and they flew out the next day. The day that they left, which was the very next day, I got three phone calls, all real estate agents. The first one bought it and paid us three times what we paid for it. <laughs> Loyalty! 
It closed the first week of September. Are you with me? The first week of September in 2019, we closed on the five acres, and I get a call from Tim Hunt, the largest employer outside of Fairchild Air Force Base in the entire Metroplex. He said, is this Pastor Mayo? I said, it is. He said, are you interested in buying that building across the street? I said, I just happen to have the money for the down payment. Somebody, the man of God that gave you the promise is the only one that can bring it to pass. Somebody clap. Somebody shout. We'll be in it in three months. Somebody shout and clap and give the praise unto God. I'm not going to walk out on my pastor. I'm not going to leave my pastor. I'm not going to let the devil form a wedge with my pastor. Loyalty to the truth. Loyalty to God called leadership. And then my third loyalty, and it's the only thing standing between you and a bone out there. Loyalty to the church. We came all this way to hear this message. Uh Uh-huh, because the spirit of Judas Nobody is loyal. Nobody's faithful out there. They can be bought for the highest price. They'll sell out. They'll whistle blow. They'll do whatever they can do to get an edge on people. But not around here. The devil can't get a handle on us. The devil can't get away in here. You don't know, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I've been down this road too long. I've been, I've been going through this too long. I can't be bought. You can't intimidate me. You can't persuade me. You can't scare me. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. The church of the living God. The church, by definition, is called the called out ones. Called out of what? Called out of the world and the worldly system. First Peter 2 and 9, which is an extension of the book of Exodus, chapter number 19, says, This is what this is what God how God thinks about you and I. You may be thinking, man, I'm just a slob doing my job. I'm just trying to make it, man. I'm just trying to get, no, 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 no. You're not just known by a social security number. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises. You want to know why you walked in here today and this place was going nuts? Because we are called to show forth the praises of him that called you out of darkness. Man, when I got saved, my family went nuts. I was a full-blown alcoholic, full-blown drug addict, heavy metal doormat. My family thought it was cool to go to all the shows and cool when we lined out the cocaine and cool when we had after-concert parties. But the minute... I got invited to an apostolic church and got a decent haircut and put on a clean set of clothes and got a job 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 and got a job. My family said, be careful. You might be in a cult. Be careful. Be careful. 
I, I, I know you're not an alcoholic anymore, and I know you're not stealing from people for your drug habit, and I know you're actually paying for an apartment now, and I know you actually got a car now, and I know you actually got a job now, but be careful. It might be a cult. It might be a cult to you, but to me, it's the kingdom of God. I've been liberated. I've been set free. I've been empowered. I've been loosed by the power of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody lift your voice and give God the praise in the face of every lying devil. My grandfather was a very wealthy man. He lived in the Berkeley Hills. I don't know how much he sold his house for, close to, close to $3 million, I think, and that was... 20 years ago, 25 years ago, he was a United Methodist preacher, had been a pastor and a preacher for 40 years with the United Methodist Church. And one time, we were at a family get-together. He lifted up his cane. He said, I heard you's Pentecostal. I said, I am. He said, man, it's all emotion. It might be, but I sure love how it feels. I love feeling clean. I love feeling joy. I love being able to smile. I love being happy. I love you can say whatever you want. I've never felt this good in my life. I'm almost done, I promise. But if you don't have this loyalty, it's just you're like a rudderless boat going in any direction that has prevailing winds. My grandfather lifted up his cane and put that about far, that far from my nose. He said, if you don't get out of that Pentecostal church, I'm going to take you out of the will. I said, with all due respect, you take that will and you write me out. I ain't giving this up for nobody. God loved me when I was getting ready to commit suicide. And he said, don't do it. God loved me when I was about ready to jump off of something. And God said, don't do it. He let me live. 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 Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. He let me live and not die. So I didn't have a family when I got saved. Brother Reggie, I was a solo artist. My brother was 100 miles away. My sister was 100 miles away. I had no family. And there was, I can't tell you how many old, old brother Neely Zell and brother Jimmy Jones, and they became my no, my new spiritual dads, and they taught me how to love God, and they taught me how to be a man, and they taught me how to be what I needed to be. Don't you tell me that the church is a bunch of freaks. This church prayed for me when I couldn't pray for myself. This church stood for me when I couldn't stand for myself. Come on, Judas, stay with the church. When an old silver-haired, silver-haired saint dies in Sacramento, Sister Sergeant, I've got to excuse myself and go into the back room and put my head in a pillow something way down in my guts as I begin to think of people that embraced me and loved me and were a bridge from a demonic world to a glorious inheritance. He 
come in all beat up after work because you've been trying to live for God and hold to the standards of the Word of God. And a brother comes and wraps his arm around you and says, Brother, I know exactly what you're going through. My wife and I are praying for you. My wife and I are fasting with you. You think I'm going to turn my back on that, Judas? You think I'm going to walk out on that? You think I'm going to be disloyal to the very thread and rope of my salvation? The church. The church. The church loved me when I was unlovable. Prayed for me when I couldn't pray for myself. Stood in the gap when I just as well would have been better off in my mind going back to the bar. There was a saint of God that slipped out at 2 o'clock in the morning and began to intercede for a new convert. Got the devils off of me and got spirits off of me and got sin off of me. And Come on, pastors. Is this too heavy? This is what Cornerstone is all about. When you've come here, this ain't a denomination. This ain't a freak show. This isn't a religious group. This is an apostolic, one God, holy nation, chosen generation. Somebody wants to leave the church? I ain't leaving with you. Somebody allow some sour spirit, some sour attitude to fester and to foster. Well, I'm, I think I'm leaving. I'm going to look for somewhere else. You want to go with me? No. I thought you was my friend. I'm loyal. I'm loyal to the church. I'm exclusive. You go ahead and leave. I'm staying with the church. You want to see me? Come back to the church. Don't call me up. Don't get on social media. Don't email me. Don't tell me what your fornication's like. You want me? I'll meet you in the aisles. I'll meet you in the prayer room. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. You're looking at one person that understands. I'm loyal. Through the years, I've seen some saints. Who are you texting? Oh, I'm texting sister so-and-so. Where's she at? Oh, she's backslid. She's da-da-da-da-da. What are you texting her for? Unless it's encouraging her to come back to church. You see, there's a lot of people that say, I ain't got to go back to church because my friend's sitting on the pew. They're two-timing with me. Moses said, who's on the Lord's side? Why don't you say, hey, I'm shutting my texts off. I'll see you in the aisle. I'll meet you in the prayer room. If you want me, that's loyalty. I'm not saying don't communicate with people. I'm not saying don't witness to them. I'm not saying don't invite them back. But don't tell me about what you're watching on television. Don't tell me about how good that movie was that the pastor preaches against. I'm clicking you off because you and I don't have anything more in common. What we had in common before was the blood and the water and the spirit and the joy and the peace and the righteousness of the kingdom of God. Go ahead and clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm not going to be disloyal to my church. It's the thing I'm going to heaven with. I'm going to heaven with the church. All over this building, let's give him praise. The word together is used 769 times in the Bible. In the New Testament alone, it covers a vast array of relational 
ecclesiastical activities. Listen to what it says about you and I. We are gathered together. We commune together. We pray together. We rejoice together. We talk together. Set down together. Join together. Fitly frame together. Build it together. Come together. Knit together. Quicken together. Plan it together. Helping together. Shout together. Clap together. Worship together. Run together. Assemble together. Sitting in heavenly places together. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Stand to your feet and clap your hand. You can't leave the church and... You can't leave the church and go together. We're going to go up together. We're going to fight together. We're going to pray together. We're going to get the victory together. We're going to have revival together. We're going to get that building together. I'm asking our good musicians to come. The gift of loyalty. Under the, the sound of my voice here tonight, there's a multiplicity of situations, scenarios, and dynamics where so many of you have things invisible and visible pulling on us, pushing on us, trying to influence us trying to divide us, trying to hinder us. Let's lift our hands and let's give the God of glory all of our love, all of our affection. And if you're so, if you're so motivated and feel so inclined, all of your loyalty. They're cursing him. They're using his name in vain now in video games. It's no longer GD. It's using the name Jesus, and they're using it as a form of cursing. The sexual confusion of our world where people don't know what they are anymore. There's a place that still have common sense, still has godly direction still has spiritual hope in the eternal. But I feel in my spirit tonight that there are some brothers and there are some sisters how precious you really are but you're struggling. I want you to slip out of where you're standing tonight and I want you to invite you to come down to the front of this church. All over this congregation, there's people that are struggling to be loyal. The cacophony of voices that seek to drown out the voice of God and the voice of reason. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All over this audience, come on. We got, we got time. We're keeping that food warm for you. Don't worry about it getting cold. Come on. This is your opportunity to get the victory. God, God brought you to this environment tonight. There's power here. There's strength here. There's victory here. There's deliverance here. In this atmosphere, anything can happen. You might have lived with this since you were a child. You might have been abused, mishandled, abused. And in one altar call, God can fill that empty spot. Let's lift our hands all over this. I'm asking Cornerstone if it's, I want you to lay your hand on somebody's shoulder. Brethren, let's move out through this audience. Let's find somebody. Lay your hand on somebody. Let's pray brother to brother and sister to sister.